Driven Radio Show, your talk show for all things automotive, from the latest news to the greatest views and the biggest names in rolling iron. Your host is Brett Hatfield, freelance auto journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine and American Car Collector Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com, and owner of his own small but growing fleet of cool cars. Get behind the wheel of an hour of car toss starting right now. Thank you for listening to Driven Radio. We know your time is valuable, so we work hard to bring you the best in automotive content and interviews. You can listen to us online at readthedriven.com, on iTunes, Pippa, Stitcher, Google Play, and everywhere fine podcasts are heard. Please follow us on Facebook at forward slash Driven Radio Show, on Twitter at Driven Radio Show, and on Instagram at Read the Driven. We're coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in Kansas City's historic West Bottoms. I'm your host, Brett Hatfield, and this week's interview was with Craig Jackson of Barrett-Jackson Collector Car Auctions. It was recorded at the 2018 McPherson College Car Show. We hope you enjoy this presentation from Driven Radio. I was thinking last night of things I wanted to ask you, and a couple things came to mind. And I guess the first of which is, my God, the collector car auction community, if you will, has exploded over the last 20 years. I've been coming to your auction for since uh, the mid-90s. And I'm just wondering, how much bigger do you think it can get? Well, I think that was part of why I changed things when I took over. The, the car collector community after the recession of 91 was sort of stagnated. And that's why I put us on television, was to try to open up everybody's eyes to car collecting. That if you didn't pick up one of our niche publications or go to a car show, you weren't exposed to it. And with this whole thing of the internet, I got our website in 94. I was like, the internet and multimedia are going to attract new people. And uh, that was the goal. And I, you know, about every one of our auctions, about 40% of our bidders are first timers that see us on 40%. In, in Palm Beach, it was more. We had 1,750 bidders, 750 were first timers. So Scottsdale averages right at 40%. You know, sometimes it's 36, sometimes it's 40. But it's right in that area. And that's because a lot of people, because of the amount of exposure that we have, uh, and I think it's a lot of things. Uh, when I took over the company, it was just an auction. And, you know, I sent out surveys and asked people, what do they want? Mm -hmm. And listen to everybody. Some guys wrote War and Peace and told me everything they thought. I read every one of them. I took it to heart and uh, really tried to change a lot of things. I changed the mix of cars from just pre-war classics that we used to focus on to post-war cars. We were early adopters of hot rods, resto mods, you know, Broadening it, and to answer your question, I think that by broadening it, it has made a lot more people feel inclusive. Rather than if you don't have a full-blown classic and you don't get on the lawn at Pebble, that's the market. The market is much broader. You know, look at the good guys, and look at how big SEMA is now. 
and the market's going to keep on growing. You know, we just came back from the big three, and hearing the exponential growth of their uh, aftermarket motor uh, division going from one of the companies, I'll mention them, going from $250 million to a billion in one year to be $2 billion this year, in three years since they launched it. Putting those engines in a lot of cars that were sort of not a desirable built in the smog years, and we did a whole car for Prestone uh, last year. Jeff built it in our shop, and we actually did it for the web to show the younger generation that the cars that they like, the X-Geners, you can do this in your garage on jack stands. We try to make it uh, by changing the auction and how we talk to people inclusive and I think that that has brought a lot more people in no matter what they like you'll find it at Barrett Jackson we just don't sell 80 pre-war classics or 80 Ferraris we sell everything but we do it in an atmosphere that's fun we scrutinize the cars with I think the best experts now, my attorney will tell you we don't guarantee the cars but by having Kevin Marty go through the, the, the Fords and look at them, who owns the Marty Report, by having Jim Madison, who owns Pontiac Historical Services, go through all the Pontiacs, by having these guys really look at the description. We're not guaranteeing the car. If we find something wrong, all we want them to do is change the description, and then their price expectation may change. You know, you got to tell a guy when you find out... Early on, we'll find out the discrepancies through our portal that the experts look at. If a guy has a GTO and we get the build sheet and it says it came as a Tempest, we got to tell him. But when a car goes through and everything sort of checks out, but then when it comes to the auction, really looking at it to make sure we change a lot of descriptions, and you'll hear those announcements. Since the catalog, the description has been updated, and we read what has been updated whether it was claimed to be a numbers matching and we found out it's not or options were added or so on. I think that that has made the first timers feel more comfortable coming in and I think that the biggest part is this is a hobby. It's my hobby, which I'm lucky my hobby is my business and for a lot of people I want it to be enjoyable and that's why I changed the auction when I took over from just an auction to a lifestyle, to be inclusive, to have multiple things that go with car collecting available so that you can understand all the different things. And the hobby, the auctions have grown, but so have all the ancillary things to do with your cars. There's more road rallies nowadays. There's more good guys. There's more type of shows to go to, cruise-ins, cars and coffee. There's always activities, and cars are very social. And we've tried to make Barrett-Jackson that epicenter that if you want to get into this, come there and get a sampling of everything there is to go do. When you have an auction like Scottsdale with 325,000 people, and that's dead accurate numbers because everything's barcoded and RFID'd nowadays, there's no more clickers. That's how many individual people came through that gate, you know, which is an astonishing number when you think about it. And putting all that knowledge and enthusiasm in one place and then putting it on worldwide television for the world to see has brought a lot more people in. And I think that that has helped across the board and that's been sort of my goal. With the advent of hybrids, electric cars, uh, 
what we hear are going to be self-driving cars. Uh, lots of people have posited that there won't be collector cars or there won't be classic cars on the roads in 20 to 25 years. I'm kind of curious what your thought is when you hear stuff like that. Uh, I, I think you'll probably have autonomous vehicle lanes. I don't think with the millions of cars out there that can ban them from driving on the, on the roadways. I think that the advent, like we're building an automotive country club, I'm one of the founders in Arizona. I think you're going to see more of those coming up where you can take your cars out and really have fun with them. And I think there'll be always some sort of uh, way to drive the cars. Now, it's like anything that may become more on the minority than the majority. But we're embracing technology. Uh, I'm not that sold on autonomous vehicles yet, but uh, hybrids, uh, we're going to build in our shop. Just like this year, we did the Project Prestone car where we uh, took a 1988 Monte Carlo and stuck a modern drivetrain and brakes and suspension. And the hardest part of that was tying the new computer to the antiquated computer in it and making the two talk. Now we're going to take a 1969 Bronco and we're going to put a hybrid uh, drivetrain in it uh, and in anticipation that the new Bronco is going to be coming out and this is our version of the new Bronco. So we like, you know, in our shop, as I said in the speech last night, we're restoring our 34 Cadillac V16 or V12 mm -hmm. Cadillac. I'm doing a 30 or 49, 47. Uh, T26 Record Talbot Lago, oh. but we still are on the cutting edge uh, in our shop with blending modern technology into these older cars, and we want to show people how to do it, but also by doing it through social is to bring the next generation in and talk to them in something that would interest them in, in a format that they're familiar with and they're on all the time, and that's Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. That's why we're showing them what we're doing and something that I think they'll find interesting is building a hybrid Bronco. Very cool. Uh, as an aside, do you think the Bronco is going to be a two-door in the traditional sense? I think it will be. Like we've known. I, I don't have any inside scoop, although I was at Ford this week and there's a lot of big SUVs with camouflage on them. Well. I can't say any of them look like two doors, but I don't know what I was seeing. But they have those huge body kits over them, so you can't tell what they are. Well, as a guy who owns an old Bronco, I sure hope they come out with... I would think they would. You know, almost every retro car that's come out, uh, whether it be European or domestic, has got the lines of the old car, whether it's the F coming off the E and the Jaguar or the Camaros or the Mustangs. Uh, if you're going to do something and you're going to put that badge back on, it better look a little updated of what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Um, in relation to what you, what we're seeing as a growth in the collective car community and the auctions and the events and the rallies and everything else, what part of it do you find most exciting? You know... I love running our events, but also I'm at that point in my life where I want to go and enjoy more of the other events. And I like the getting out and driving the cars, and I want to do a lot more uh, road rallies and uh, 
go see the world while enjoying my cars. And that's sort of my next phase in life as I bring guys like Jeff and Mike and a lot of the younger guys on in the company as I start giving them more jobs to do that I can go play with my cars and enjoy uh, the car collector community. I vintage race. I want to do more of that while I'm young enough to do it and go out and play. I'm almost an empty nester in a few weeks <laughs> and then I can go do what I want to do. Is your son part of your company or will he be? Don't know. He's going to college for four years. Uh, I don't think he'll run it. I think he would uh, probably do stuff that he likes and that's uh, writing, social media. He wants to be a, uh, a, a journalist and uh, he loves writing and he loves telling stories and he loves everything social media wise. Uh, make sure you tell him the best part about being a journalist, eat free or die. Yes. So he, I've told him, you know, that you're it's his passion. My daughter ran our social media for several years, and she went out and worked for another company. I think she's going to start her own company, and maybe I'll be her client. Oh, uh, it's good. My dad made me go be independent at a young age. You know, I cussed and screamed at him about it, but it was good at him, good for me. Uh, you know, it, it forced me to learn to be independent at a young age. And, you know, the first car that I restored for... I did some in-house when I was still with my dad and, and did a lot of cars for him. The Dallahay was one of them. I did that in 86, I think first time we showed it was 87. Uh, but then when I did that J12 for Don Williams, and that's when I really started my own restoration company and uh, did a lot of great classics. Um, you know, I, I like that part of taking something and you're on your own to go do it and win lose or draw it's on me <laughs> and taking it to pebble beach and having it you know up on the stage and you know doing that almost every year when i was in my early 20s i think there's one of other than phil i was probably one of the younger ones to you know, do that in my early 20s speaking of enjoying your cars this is a question i'm sure you get a lot but do you have a favorite or have you had a favorite you know, it's like asking which kid do you like better. Um, it, it changes, you know, in driving cars. I love my Veyron, although I just got my Ford GT, and it's a real kick in the ass. Um, Is that your Gulf Blue? No, mine's black. Mine was at the auction, Scottsdale. Mine's black with red stripes. It's in Barrett-Jackson colors. I made it match our Barrett-Jackson uh, Shelbys. Uh, Appropriate. In... Older cars, you know, like uh, muscle cars, I like my Hemi Cuda convertible. I would probably never sell that car, my ZL1. Uh, I love my Cobra, but I'm restoring a couple of great Shelbys. And, uh, you know, the Green Hornet's going through a full restoration right now. That's what I'm going to look at. Now, and I talked about this last night, the Internet and the research that everybody's doing is making cars that we restored 20, 30 years ago. We realized, you know, we took our best guess. Now we got more documentation. And even cars I've restored, pictures have come out that we didn't know. You know, like that Hispano was changed drastically, and all I had was that rendering to go by. And then they got more pictures and of the car later, and, you know, some get things that I guessed at. I was close, but not exact. And, yeah, you, t you go back through the car, and you... 
you have to restore a car to a certain point because cars sort of morph. And, you know, the Green Hornet morphed because it was a, a uh, prototype car. And now that we found more documentation on it, and that's why I was in Detroit, you know, Kev Marty was going through the archives of Ford trying to find more stuff. We now know where to hunt and find the stuff and uh, share information with everybody. And now that car will be a lot more exactly the way it was at the point in time I want to restore it to. So I'm excited about that. Maybe that'll be my next favorite car because <laughs> I love the car. Uh, do you think the availability of information has improved concours like Pebble and Amelia Island? I think across the board, uh, you know, there's disinformation out there, but there's also a lot of information if it's coming from the heads of clubs and stuff like that. I think that sharing the stuff through the clubs is, is a valuable thing. You know, books that were written 20, 30 years ago are now so outdated because a journalist did the best job he could back at the time, but nothing, and you know, that's why we employ all these experts that have got such databases, because even the cars as they went through a production year changed, updates, changing in uh, suppliers, shortages, strikes, all that. You can't say that this car at the start of the year and this car at the end of the year should be identical. We know better nowadays. Um, you know, my ZL1 didn't come with all the stuff on it that the uh, all the others did because it was the second to last car and it was made at the end of the strike and whatever was on the shelf, that's what got put on it. I bought it from the original owner. You want to argue with him how as he says, I don't know how yours came, but that's exactly how mine came. <laughs> so you learn more as you go along. Um, what are your hopes for Barrett Jackson going future, going forward? You sound like uh, you're ready to enjoy life outside the business a little no, bit not, more. No, uh, I'm going to stay in the business, but I'm ready to enjoy life. And uh, I've reached that point in my life where I think I've built a great team. We're building a great new headquarters at Scottsdale. Uh, with a shop, I want to be involved in all aspects, but start giving more of this to, to other guys and mentoring more people, and it's just got to be the way it is. You can't keep the pace that I've been at forever, or you'll burn out. And I'm not yeah. burned out, but I, I realize my limitations, and I also realize you're only on this earth so long, and I want to enjoy my cars and enjoy my customers and enjoy life. And uh, you just reach that point. And uh, I'm at that point where I realize um, I want to work smarter, not harder. And I want to, you know, I'm still very much day-to-day. -day. I'm CEO. Uh, I also uh, almost CTO because I started our whole technology thing. So, really? Yeah. I wrote the first program for Barrett Jackson. Uh, I've managed IT almost this entire time, so I want to hire a CTO and delegate a lot of that. Uh, I just want to get rid of some of my jobs. What's the one thing that you would want people to know, either about you or Barrett Jackson or the collector car community, that you haven't voiced anywhere? About Barrett Jackson, um, I think that you know what I tried to convey last night, and. You know, even John Groendyke didn't know this. This started as two families with a huge passion, and the car that got them together was the Joan Crawford uh, Cadillac that was advertised by Barrett that now Groendyke has. And that this started as a charity car show in that 
charity and the car community, my mom being one of the first directors of the Classic Car Club of America, we've been embedded in this since the beginning. My parents formed the Classic Car Club of America division of Arizona in 1959 before they even moved there when they were still snowbirds because there was nobody there doing anything. I have that plaque in my man cave. Uh, the first acknowledgement of the Arizona region of the Classic Car Club of America. And that we love this, and I want to see this thing nurture and develop more, and people come into it and love it and enjoy it. And that that's how it started, and that passion is still in the company, and that's why we're, we're here at McPherson, is to get the next generation, give them that passion, bring them into the company, and mentor the, the next millennials that will take this to the next level. I guess without the best way to ask this is what do you think of the program here? What are your thoughts about the restoration? restoration well, I've been on the, I was on this board since 99. It's taken a big turn. When I first came here I was very vocal on things that I thought they were doing well. It caused a bit of a revolt. A lot of the teachers didn't like it because they were they were on the college and they were sort of given that job rather than recruited and loved it. And I was very vocal that they needed to be teaching metal shaping and pick and file and the, the lost arts, not just get the car done so we can get through class. And uh, to have a passion, and I think the passion comes through now. I really see it in the students, the criteria, and uh, I check in every so often to, uh, to give my insight. My insight now is car collecting is, is evolving and what you're teaching should evolve and you should embrace uh, technology and use technology and uh, broaden the types of cars you look at restoring from just pre-war or very rare to what's becoming more and more popular, uh, resto mods, things like that. These same skill sets of craftsmanship, that's what I put in my speech. That's why I bought the Hula Girl. That car for people of the World War II generation was probably seen as just an abomination of a great 32. But it's a piece of craftsmanship that somebody with passion built and took it to the Oakland Roadster Show twice one, it's class in 59, and it's a piece of history. That car is one of few that have been back there three times to the Oakland Roadster show. Uh, and I, you take that, and then when I was talking last night, and then you see Japanier's car, which is old and new technology. And exceptional. Exceptional. But if you didn't have the craftsmanship, you couldn't do it. If you didn't understand technology, you couldn't do it. And that's what I'm trying to say. Whether you're building a hot rod, whether you're building a, uh, uh, restoring a car, the, it, the moment in time of what interests everybody is going to keep moving forward. You know, I can remember when I bought my first expensive muscle car, my dad thought I was absolutely out of my mind. He goes, I remember when those were new. Well, everybody remembers when the next collector cars were new. Sure. <laughs> uh, now the collector cars are moving into the later 70s, 80s, even into the 90s. And, you know, like I said, this generation, 20 years from, from now, are going to need to know how to fix those. 
and uh, if you don't know how to talk to an old computer, the car's going to just be dead. Yeah. And you need to learn those skill sets. We're putting away a lot of the diagnostic equipment for those cars, buying it up and just keeping it because you're going to need to plug it in 20 years from now and run the codes. Uh, so my advice is stay up on technology to them. And, uh, you know, this generation shares an awful lot, uses their social media, and uh, we should all embrace that. Um, what are your thoughts on groups using uh, collector cars as new investment vehicles now as opposed to... Yeah, they're doing it like like REITs uh, with real estate where they're averaging out portfolios by buying these cars. Um, I think it goes to who's running it, how hard are they vetting the cars, what's all their research, are they buying at the peak of a market, like a lot of these bought a lot of the big Ferraris at the top of the market, it'd be yeah. interesting to see how their returns are, because they were based on, you know, looking at the Haggian index, based from the bottom of the recession to the top of the market, where they went up 435%. Yeah. Well, run it from that peak to now, and that's when a lot of those bought the cars. So. It's like anything, if you, I don't like it when people speculate on cars. I tell people, don't speculate on cars. Buy the car you love, enjoy it, buy the best car you can. Buy the car for the reason you want to own the car. Don't buy it because your buddy says that car is going to go up in value. That's the wrong reason to get into it, and I hate seeing cars commoditized. That's just for me because I love cars. But that has happened a lot over the last few years. It has. It happened worse in 88, 89, when a lot of people bought cars, flipped them instantly. A lot of guys that bought these cars care about the cars, because I go to a lot of big collections, you know, and uh, they love the cars. Now, will they trade a car, get a different car? You know, when you look at car collecting, it's growing and golf is going the other direction. <laughs> people like this hobby. Do you think that's generational? or I think it's generational, and that's why I want the younger generation to get into cars. That's why we offer Family Value Day at Barrett-Jackson, where we have 35,000 kids come in for free. You know, That's why we put it on television. So should we turn golf courses into racetracks? Uh, the, the neighbors around them, but when, you, when, <laughs> when golf courses go BK and you got a house looking at a weed patch, uh, it's a tough situation for everybody. Sure. Uh, that's up to them what they want to turn that the center of their community into. Maybe they should turn them into uh, automotive uh, facilities. <laughs> but, you know, that's the problem where you got a generation that's looking at it and going, 18, 18 holes of chasing a white ball or go out and get an adrenaline rush and, and have fun and go see the country. Me, I choose the latter. Uh, and it doesn't look like our our collector car hobby and community is going away anytime soon. No, and you look at Scottsdale, uh, I sold a, just looking at trends, I sold a Resto Mod Corvette for 440000 I sold a number matching fuelly of the same year car for a buck and a half. Does that tell you where the hobby's going? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. It very much does. And people want to get into this and enjoy it and have fun. There's certain ones like me, and I, that's why I showed sort of my collection. It wasn't an ego thing, it was to show you my collection's diverse. Mm -hmm. 
I started with pre-war classics. I'm still restoring pre-war classics. But I love muscle cars that I grew up with. I also have hot rods. I also have resto mods. And I also have modern supercars. And I love all of them. So to answer your question, I love a little bit of everything. Sure. And you know, I told last night, I keep 20 cars at my house, and I keep 40-some at my man cave. And I drive a different car to work, and I drive a different car home. And that's how I exercise my cars. And that's why my cars all have miles on them. Remember to grab your garage door opener when you switch cars. Oh, they're all, yeah, I got a whole thing for that because I can run it off my phone. I need uh, to learn how to do that. I keep leaving mine in the Corvette when I get back. Yeah, else. I have Crestron on both ends, so I just hit the <laughs> hit the button, open the door, roll in. Uh, I, I'm a techie, so my house, everything I own is pretty high tech. Craig, thank you for taking the time. Right. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for spending time with Driven Radio. We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our audience. You can find us online at readthedriven.com, follow us on Facebook at forward slash Driven Radio Show, on Twitter at Driven Radio Show, and everywhere fine podcasts are heard. I'm Brett Hatfield for Vern Estes, thanking you for listening, and we'll see you next time on Driven Radio.